are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I also want to point out the Locked On Fantasy Football podcast hosted by Vinny Iyer, talking a lot about a lot of young breakout players, really great stuff for a dynasty, or you know what, good stuff for redraft. A lot of those young breakout players tend to be pretty underdrafted, so some sleepers for your fantasy drafts, which should be right around the corner. Uh, you can find that wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Also a daily podcast all year round. Get you a real edge in your leagues. I am your host, your pal in the kitty copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL and you can find the show on Twitter at Locked on Vikings. And today on the show, I want to kind of continue, I guess, the conversation we had with Alex Rollins on yesterday's show. You don't have to have listened to yesterday's show to uh, keep up although I highly recommend it. It was an awesome conversation. But we touched on a couple things that I want to kind of expand and kind of spin them off into their own separate conversation. So yesterday, I had uh, Alex Rollins on the show at, at Alex Rollins NFL on Twitter and on YouTube. And uh, he does a lot of really cool film breakdown stuff on YouTube. And he did an episode on Justin Jefferson of on his like route running and his uh, kind of prowess and how the Vikings use that. And then after that show, after we stopped recording, we chatted for a little bit and we kind of exchanged, we compared notes on a couple of things. And uh, he pointed me toward this coaching clinic that uh, Andrew Janoko did, the quarterbacks coach who was the wide receivers coach. He had been an offensive line coach and an assistant in the org forever. Um, he did a coaching clinic at CoachTube, which I'll link in the show notes. You can buy it for 20 bucks. Highly recommend it. It is awesome. Uh, all sorts of great information and cool stuff in there if you just want to geek out or if you yourself are a coach, uh, especially if you yourself are a coach because it is a clinic that is aimed at like high school coaches or college coaches, um, people you know trying to learn from each other, learn from a guy who works in the NFL. And so kind of expanding on the conversation about Justin Jefferson's routes and stuff was this coaching clinic that Janoko gave on the quick game on three step drop things. And I will give you some of the spark notes to this, but I super, super recommend that you go do it. I definitely found it worth the, the 20 bucks just as a geeky fan. It's just like a level of access you almost never get in the NFL. Uh, but basically the premise of it was why the quick game is important, kind of how to install the quick game, what to prioritize about the quick game, um, and kind of how to run it. And then at the end, he did some concepts that the Vikings use and including the terminology that the Vikings use, which is really cool to see that like window into it. We won't talk about that so much, but basically the, the premise of the whole thing was you should run a lot of quick game. Um, and the, the first point that he made was actually an analytics one that he said, you know, top 10 offenses in the league, all use more quick game than the bottom offenses. Everybody who's good uses a lot of quick game, a lot of three-step drops, um, and, and quicker passes. And he also really, really emphasized quick doesn't mean short. Um, and I think we kind of often take that shortcut, especially in analytics. You know, you will look at, well, you know, teams with a higher average depth of target have, uh, you know, better EPA and efficiency and production than teams with low depth of target. So that leads me to say, no, short passes aren't better. But 
the I guess the the analytics that he was citing seemed to be based on no teams that use more three step drops do better. And that makes sense for a bunch of reasons, right? It's great for the offensive line. It's great in no huddle situations. And if you're trying to do tempo and stuff, because it's all uh, very simple and kind of easy to call something out, get to the line. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a short pass. One of the things that Janoko kind of highlighted, one of the main plays the Vikings use, and you see it a lot, is uh, double stick. Really, really simple stuff. You have two go routes on the outside, and you have uh, either a tight end or a third slot receiver if it's like a four-wide set, but they very rarely do that. Tight end's a slot receiver. They both run stick routes, which are about six-yard out routes. So you can run that play a whole bunch, and then they see that play, and then you can kind of uh, subvert it and run what's called sprite. They call it sprite, where it's basically the exact same thing, but the slot receiver, so the second stick... uh, the outside stick cuts it upfield and it's actually like a double move. And then it's like a a deep play and that kind of thing. And they actually had a a similar concept, except it was the outside guy running this. It was kind of a subversion um, is something you've probably seen Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs score a bunch of touchdowns on. I don't know if Jefferson's gotten a touchdown on it yet. He's definitely run it and gotten catches. I don't know if any of them happen to be touchdowns, but it's something the Vikings like use a lot. And it, it kind of drives at another conversation we were talking about yesterday, which I'm going to get into more a little later about like simplicity versus complexity and how you can be like John Gruden, who will call out, uh, you know, any play in the entire world. And it, you remember the thing that aired on Hard Knocks, this clip from 2003 training camp where uh, Chris Sims couldn't get the play call down because all of his play calls were like, 15 words long um, and then compare that to something like Norv Turner where everything was like three numbers in a word or something like the Kubiak, the Shanahan, the McVeigh, where it's a lot of core concepts and then building subversions off of those concepts, but a quarter of your playbook looks very similar to each other. Um, And these two kind of competing philosophies that we see everywhere in the NFL, I think, are a really interesting conversation. One other interesting thing that I I thought uh, Janoko mentioned that that I thought was worth sharing was uh, the idea of read filters. He had a whole thing on read filters, Um, which are basically alerts and checks and stuff. He uses the word filter and kind of categorizing plays in terms of how much the defense dictates. And this comes up a lot when we talk about how many targets a guy gets, uh, you know, and how much control we really have over that. Are you calling plays where the defense dictates kind of what the read is? And what that means is, you know, a a play that if you're based on the coverage shell, you're going to do this, right? So there's, you know, pure progressions, one guy, two guy, three guy, Uh, And that's the kind of read we're familiar with. You go to this guy first. If he's not there, you go to that guy, etc. There are plays that are progression with an option, which is the same thing. But you tack on the end of it something like, but if you see Adam Thielen one on one with a cornerback, go do that. Uh, And then there are pre-snap looks where the pre-snap alignment will kind of determine what the play actually is. uh, And everybody kind of has to be on the same page. It's where you can almost call two plays at once and say, if they give you a man look, run A. If they give you a zone look, run B. That's way oversimplifying it. That's not quite right, but it's a good way to understand it, that you're kind of asking Kirk Cousins to 
um, make a, a read and make a decision before the play starts, and that is kind of its own category of plays. There's so much more I want to talk to you about with this, so uh, I'm going to get to it, and, and we're going to talk about it. And also, later in the show, we're going to talk about Zionde Johnson, the undrafted free agent defensive end out of Cal, his Storytime series entry, how he got into the NFL and all of that stuff. Six years at Cal, that guy, and he could have done a seventh. So if you're curious about that, stick around. Uh, but first, let's talk about Ramblin'. There is some interesting new odds that I kind of want to talk to you about. There are uh, like yards leaders and stuff, um, rushing, passing, receiving leaders. So for example, Justin Jefferson, 14 to 1 to be the receiving yards leader, uh, same as DK Metcalf, Julio Jones, and Terry McLaurin. So, I don't know. Feels appropriate. That's a some pretty good company. Dalvin Cook, five to one, second highest odds to be the rushing yards leader. I don't hate that. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen to Tennessee. Obviously, you know, they they are also changing a lot about their offense. Obviously, you know, the Vikings lost their OC too, but I think they probably did a little better at continuity because they just got the dude's son uh, versus, you know, what the Titans are, are transitioning to. Uh, Derrick Henry is the leader. So I don't know. I don't hate five to one for Dalvin Cook being the rushing yards leader. Um, of course, you know, you got to beat out Nick Chubb, who's seven to one. Christian McCaffrey, eight to one. I absolutely love that. I know he's coming off an ACL injury, but eight to one seems really, really low for him. Uh, and you can go all the way down the list. If you want to bet on that or anything else going on in sports, bet on the next Suns Bucks game, uh, WNBA, MLB, futures, anything you want, you can find it at bet online. If you don't have an account at BetOnline, that's no worries. You can sign up for free at any time on your desktop or mobile. And when you make your first deposit, you can enter promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and get a little bit of free grambling money as well. They will match half of your first deposit. That means for every 100 bucks you put in as part of your first deposit, you get 50 bucks on top of it in free play money. That is at betonline.ag. Enter promo code locked on when you make your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So I want to keep talking about this uh, quick game thing and the idea of complexity and simplicity. There's one other thing that I wanted to mention uh, that I thought was a really interesting thing that Andrew Janoko said. And he's a quarterback's coach, so this is definitely going to be something that comes up, is that you know he was stressing like the importance of communication and making... Uh, you know, your quarterback has to kind of be an extension of your brain on the field and kind of being in the, on the same page and all that. And he said a big part of that is kind of making sure every play has a, a tag on it or an, an indication of whether it's a shot play, whether it's a chunk play, or whether you're just going for a completion. I thought that was really interesting because there are some plays where the point is just get the ball in someone's hands. This is the kind of, I mean, the obvious one is like a screen. But some of these quick games throws are all completion throws you know double stick they're all just you know you're just trying to get six yards it's not a huge play you're just trying to get a completion and you tell the quarterback hey you know don't sell out for some huge thing if you see that somebody fell down and the go is there yeah you know be a human but uh you know you're just going for a stick just get the ball in the guy's hands um and he also said six inches is open which I thought was really interesting. Six inches of separation is open. You should be able to thread that window, which I, I think Kirk Cousins probably cuts it a little closer than that sometimes. But I thought that was really interesting, you know, and then, hey, this is a chunk play. We're not going for the absolute home run, but this is supposed to be a 15-yard thing. So if you, you know, make decisions accordingly, and then, of course, shot plays are wait for the thing to break open and heave it. I think that's just a really interesting, like, kind of... uh three-way hierarchy of how to categorize plays again. But really what this leads me to is this conversation about simplicity and complexity. 
And we kind of often talk about, and this is why I made the title of the show what it was, you know, Clint Kubiak shouldn't update the offense because the offense isn't outdated. And I've said that for a long time. The wide zone is not an outdated offense. If you think the offense is outdated, you probably are mistaking run pass ratio for scheme. And um, there's just a lot more nuance and stuff going on. That's a lot more interesting to talk about. So when you say, you know, old or outdated or updated or new, uh, you're probably just, if you're talking about run pass ratio, it's like going to an Italian restaurant and calling it old because Italy's been around for a long time. Like, it's just not really engaging with the topic at all. Um, so here's my take on simplicity and complexity, right? Because I think both of these sides are, you know, they, they both really have their merit. I, I, I don't think there should ever be a right answer between the two. And I'm sure things kind of ping pong as, uh, you know, the league like meta game evolves. Um, but with John Gruden, of course, the uh, the advantage is you can do anything, right? If you just have all the tools and you're totally open, the world is your sandbox and you can do just about anything. Um, but of course, that's harder to teach. But if you have Peyton Manning, then, you know, give him all the tools in the world. And that's the way that things ran with Peyton Manning. You know, they would just give him uh, a, a number of tools and, and everything was kind of broken down into components and words. So you say, okay, X run a six, uh, you know, Y run a seven and blah, blah, blah. And you could, he could just draw plays at the line. He could make stuff up from scratch. You're not running a scheme even at that point. You're just saying, okay, yeah, looks like there's going to be a hole over the middle of the field. Let's go attack it. And you run that route and, you know, you've got code for all that. And because you have Peyton Manning, Manning, it works. If you don't have Peyton Manning uh, or, you know, somebody like him, then they're, you know, the benefits start to pile up for simplicity. And simplicity is great because, and I think we take it for granted, this for granted far too often, uh, players aren't robots. Well, Kirk is, but that's beside the point. Uh, Players aren't, you know, inputs and outputs. They're not software. It's not coding where you can, uh, you know, put in an input and get the same exact output every single time. Players will make mistakes. And I think setting players up in environments where they make fewer mistakes is a good way to set yourself up for success. And I think that's the real crux of the popularity of the Shanahan, the McVeigh, the Kubiak, the Stefanski, you know, all these these guys, Arthur Smith now over in uh, Atlanta, are all of these wide zone teams. I think I, my count is up to 12 now of the 32 teams are running uh, some variant of a wide zone. Um, and a lot of that is because of its simplicity. So the Vikings have a number of core concepts um, you know, they have, and, and Andrew Janoka went over a bunch of them. I don't have time to go over them with you here, but they, you know, have concepts like Yankee and Yankee and drift. And that's what we talked about a lot on yesterday's show are two kind of very similar concepts that look exactly the same until the routes break off. And so it becomes really, really difficult to scout. It's hard to scout a John Gruden offense because that could be anything. They can run anything on you. How in the world do you find a tendency on that? It's equally hard to scout a Kyle Shanahan offense. And I think the Vikings have the same advantage too, where if everything looks the same, then nothing is. It's it's like syndrome from the Incredibles if everybody's super, nobody is. If everything is Yankee, nothing is. Uh, and it, you know, presents this problem for the defense where it could still be any number of, you know, three, four different plays that you scouted and we're, you know, six steps into this and I still don't know what they're running. That's a really, really big disadvantage. And it allows you to do these subversive things with, you know, your really, really, uh, dynamic route runners like Thielen and Jefferson. And that gives you, you know, sufficient complexity. So you're not just running the same predictable thing over and over again. You're not being predictable, but you're also not complicating things so much that all 
your young players get confused and overwhelmed and then they never figure out the playbook and they can never get on the field. That's the real advantage. You can drill Yankee over and over and over again and, and then at the last second say, hey, you know, cut it back the other way this time. And that's the only change you have to make. And you've subverted this thing that everybody has down pat in this rhythmic dance that they've been practicing a ton because you only have four concepts and it's, you know, you can dedicate all the time in the world to all of them. I, I think that is the the advantage of, of simplicity and then from simplicity, you can build out complexity in a way that you know your players are going to be able to execute. And that last part is so important and so often taken for granted. I'm going to talk to you about Zionde Johnson in a little bit. But first, I want to talk about the best tasting protein bar on the planet. Built Bar is a, a delicious protein bar. It tastes like a candy bar covered in 100% chocolate. comes in flavors that are just buck wild for a protein bar like cookies and cream chocolate raspberry peanut butter brownie just decadent stuff that won't knock you off the wagon like it sounds like it would if you're trying to lose or maintain weight and you want to indulge in a peanut butter brownie you can it's low in sugar low carb low calorie high protein high fiber and so delicious to boot they've got nine delicious flavors and some specialty ones that come by every now and then if you check out the built bar website that's builtbar.com you can buy built bar from there and at check out, you can enter promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, all one word, you get 15% off of your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 at BuiltBar.com. Ziande Johnson grew up in Fresno, part of a really big family, big football family. Uh, they, like his three brothers played, his dad played, so he was really inundated in football from day one. Uh, his dad, Carlos Johnson, embedded in him what the two of them, they call it the two Ds. And he said, you know, somebody asked him, give me two words to describe your son, Ziande. And he said the two Ds, determination and dedication. That was like instilled in him from an early age. Uh, and he also grew up a huge Cal fan, Go Bears. Grew up in Fresno, and he wanted to go to UC Berkeley. Um, so they put him in football right away as a kid, of course, you know, football family. And even at the age of like six, he was just dominating. And it was like, oh, OK, you know, this kid's going to be good. Um, his cousins also played in high schools in the area. So when he was in high school, he had all kinds of fun with, you know, looking across to the other side of the bleachers. There'd be family across the field every single time. You get to go say hi and see all his family and stuff. Um, he's been, always been a huge family guy. So come recruiting as luck would have it, Cal comes knocking at his door and he doesn't even think about it. He just takes it. Um, so at, uh, in high school, he played a little bit of tight end and defensive end. Cal recruited him as a tight end. Took, he takes the gig. He was also just as into the academics as he was the football program and academics was a pretty big priority for him all the time. So Cal was a no brainer, but he gets to Cal and they get into camp and they're like, all right, actually, we probably should have put you at defensive end. So they switch him to defensive end right away. And he's kind of playing from behind that whole year. So he ends up red shirting. Not a big deal at all. Um, but Zayde Johnson will go on to play six years at the University of Cal, and he could have played a seventh. So here's how that happens. First, you sit out 2015. That's his redshirt year. Then 2016, he plays as kind of a backup. He gets in here and there. Um, and he uh, Cal was terrible in 2016 on defense. They were awful. And he remembers being frustrated, not being able to get on the field and help out and basically watching them just kind of get like bowled over all the time and being on the bench, being like, man, we couldn't get a stop. So that kind of sits in his mind. And 2017 was when he was really going to be able to. All right, I'm going to get a start. I'm going to, uh, you know, take over the the operation here and, and we're going to turn this program around. But summer of 2017, he hurts his knee. And he's never really been like hurt, hurt before. The worst thing he had was a dislocated finger. So he, even though he played like a physical sport like football, he'd been lucky up to that point. But 
he hurts his knee and he has to go into rehab and he has to basically sit out the entire 17, 2017 season, except for, uh, you know, rehabbing and, and training and stuff that kind of changes his outlook. Um, he, it just emboldens that dedication and determination that his dad described. He uses the season off in the weight room and he also, he uses the season off in the weight room and he also, uh, thinks he's probably going to get a medical red shirt out of this. So that means he actually still has three years of eligibility left. He'll be able to play in 18, 19, and 20. And that means he's actually going to have time to get another degree. At the time, he was doing legal studies as his first bachelor's degree, and he thought about minoring in something. But now that he's going to have all this extra years in college, uh, he's like, well, I guess I'll get another major. So he majors again in uh, American studies, and he actually ends up with two bachelor degrees at the end of his time in Cal. Um, But anyways, in 2018, Cal turns it around, and a big part of that is their returning super athletic defensive end, Zayande Johnson. And they even get to a bowl game, and he kind of relishes his personal role in this. As a defensive end, you can look at every play as a chance to break the game. If you mess up, you fail, you know, you didn't get there on the pass rush, no worries, you get to line up next time and try again and go be a disruptor again. And he loves that, like, style of role. Um, So... In 2020, he does end up getting his extra year of eligibility for the medical red shirt, so he gets to play in 2020, but 2020 is 2020. So uh, Cal only plays four games in 2020. They have three of them canceled, and the whole season's like totally kaput. They go one and three, and Zeonday Johnson only gets eight tackles, which is terrible momentum to go into the draft with. But after the season, I mean, look, he's been in college for six years. He's like seven years would be a lot of college. I'm going out for the draft. So he actually would have gotten that that extra year of eligibility from the COVID waiver that like all the Cal players basically said, okay, 2020 doesn't count for your eligibility. The NCAA kind of let them all get another year back. But he's like, look, I played 41 games. It's actually a medium-sized college career on the whole after you count all the injuries and COVID and all that stuff. Uh, but there's a lot of growing and a lot of college in between. So he takes his two degrees and he declares for the NFL draft. Um, And of course, he doesn't get drafted, but late on Saturday of the draft, late on day three, he gets a call from the Vikings saying that they want to come and and bring him in. Um, And there's this lovely presser that he gives after he gets signed with like rivals and some Cal media and stuff. And he's he's like on a Zoom call with the Golden Gate Bridge as his background because he's such a NorCal kid. Uh, and the dude's just like beaming. And you can tell like he did it. And that the NFL was kind of always the goal. And if you asked him, you know, when he was a sophomore at Cal, he'd say, no, 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 you know, our goal, my goal is to be as good as I can this year and stuff. But playing professionally was always going to be something that he worked his ass off at. And to get there, I mean, this defensive end unit is weird. Um, it's really easy to place exactly sixth at defensive end, if you're an undrafted free agent, um, all you have to to beat out for that is uh, Jalen Holmes, Kenny Willekes, Jordan Brailford, and Hercules Mataafa, a bunch of guys that I don't think are going to be in many people's roster predictions. But to beat anybody else out, you have to beat one of Weatherly, Wanham, Patrick Jones, or Janarius Robinson. You might have to beat out two of those guys if you want to make the actual roster. Of course, Daniel Hunter's taken up a roster spot as well. So it's going to be an uphill battle to make the team, but for maybe call it that first practice squad slot, 
it's a much more even playing field, which I think is going to be kind of where he's at when he he does his first uh, his first training camp. But hey, look, dedication and determination are the first steps. And if you have that, and I for one take his dad's word for it, you can give yourself a damn good chance. So before we uh, wrap up the show today, I wanted to say a little bit about a good friend of mine. Uh, who unfortunately passed away this past week. You may uh, know him or be familiar with him, especially if you listened to some of my earliest exploits before I came on uh, Locked on Vikings. But I I guess I just wanted to share some appreciation for uh, my buddy Joe, who was the owner and founder of the UFTA Sports Network, which had the two websites, Purple PTSD and Vikings Territory, as well as a couple other uh, properties. He did the Morning Joe's podcast with Joe Oberly, um, and he was a great dude. He was the, the person who basically gave me my start in covering sports back in uh, the early part of 2016. I wrote for Purple PTSD when it was a simple WordPress site uh, that was like barely even had a layout, and uh, he... I don't know, just always believed in you. And he, there was nobody that was, you know, too small or too green, too new, too unknowledgeable. Anybody could write for him. And that was really special because sports media is such a tightly closed place a lot of the time. If you don't have the right credential, you don't have the right right prestige, the right clout, there's a lot of doors that just won't open for you. And Joe's door was always open. Um, That, I don't know, that just meant a lot. And that, I think, colors a lot of the way that I operate in the world of sports media. Um, So I guess uh, I, I just wanted to share that. And, uh, just wanted to send love and blessings to Joe's family and his friends and his loved ones and everybody. Um, and just, I don't know, remember a great dude. So, uh, I will see you all tomorrow. And, uh, as always, Skull.